What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Podcast. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. Before we get started, as always, Olivia, how are you? How are you doing? How's your evening going? Well, I've been hanging out with you this evening, John, so it's been great. We're in our marathon sprint. I love it. Recording, recording, recording. These are some of my favorite nights because we both get kind of loopy. Also, side note, I didn't tell you this earlier, but I ate probably, I don't know how many ounces, but I ate a lot of ice cream before we started recording. <laughs> so if I am sluggish, I apologize. Uh, do you guys have Andy's ice cream by you by any chance? No. Okay. There's like an Andy's custard by my parents though. That is what it is. Cause I was just gonna say, it's not actually ice cream. It's frozen custard. And okay. I got the large, it was chocolate custard with hot fudge in the middle and then oh, strawberries, good. bananas, and pineapple. I am in a sugar coma. I'm pretty sure. I don't know how I'm talking, <laughs> but if I'm a little sluggish, I apologize, but it was so good. It was so damn good. It was delicious. <laughs> Kara and Millie said they wanted ice cream. So I was like, let's do it. Yeah. If you're going to do it, do it right. Right. You've never been? No. So I, I asked the, I think it was the last time I was home. I was like, let's get some ice cream or we were passing it. And my parents were like, no, we like this other place better. Same concept. It's like frozen custard, but they didn't take me to Andy's. They took me to the other place. And I want to say the other place was Freddy's, but I don't know if that's right either. Okay. We have a Freddy's too, which fun fact, sorry to, you know, for anybody who might like Freddy's, but I don't eat there anymore because we went there and Millie wanted ice cream. They have a dirt and worm Sunday. And for those who aren't ice cream connoisseurs, like the folks in this house, Dirt and Worm Sunday is 
vanilla ice cream, crushed up Oreos, and then gummy worms on top. So, you know, it's the whole thing. And I got one from Millie, and she ended up getting, like, mad food poisoning. So I don't go to Freddy's anymore. Once you burn me once, I can't I can't go back. Yeah. That's how I was with Sonic hamburgers for a long time. Sonic got me, too. Got terrible food poisoning from a hamburger. Sonic got me. It was a chicken sandwich. And when I was eating it, I was like, something's not right. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to keep eating this, but something <laughs> is not right. And literally four hours later, I was like, I'm dying. I am <laughs> All of my insides are now on the outside of my body. I <laughs> I will say, though, because we haven't talked about them in a while. And I'm so sorry that we're like this is what we're talking about at the beginning of this episode. But we got Taco Bell the other night for the first time in a while. And I was like, this slaps. This is so good. I just went straight up, got like four hard tacos and was like, this is delicious. I love Taco Bell. I eat all my Taco Bell. I don't know if I've had. I think I had it once this week. It's so bad that now the Taco Bell lady, she recognizes me. Can I tell you something, though? That is one of my favorite things is when you go in someplace and they know who you are. And my wife makes fun of me all the time. We have a gas station at the end of our street. And I go in there and the guy's like, hey, John, what's going on? And I'm like, <laughs> this is basically cheers. You know what I mean? It's like, right. so happy to be here. Well, the first time I drove through there, she's like, you know, you look real familiar. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Sure don't know. Anyways. Second time I rolled through there, she's like, you know, you look so familiar. I'm like, well, I guess I come here a lot. <laughs> so she recognized you from TV. Yes. Finally, I had to just tell her. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you have to come here all the time. I was like, well, now my cat's out the bag. Like, now you're going to be knowing how often I'm coming to Taco Bell. Right. There's going to be like a Gawker article. <laughs> it's like insider says Olivia's at Taco Bell seven times a week. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Also, real quick. So. You listeners, you can't see this, but I need to make sure you just propped your knee up on the table. And at first I thought you were just wearing a flannel (laughs) shirt, but I just realized that you were wearing full on flannel pajamas to this recording session. Is that correct? Oh, but these are, these don't even match. Like this shirt, I think my mom bought it for me from Sam's because it's my nephew's like high school colors. And then these are my Christmas flannel pants that I always wear. Cause you know, usually I have all my red and black flannel pants and my purple flannel jacket. I was like, <laughs> holy shit. I'm recording with Santa Claus all of a sudden. <laughs> I knew as soon as you said, hold on, what was about to happen? I was yeah. like, man, and my flannel just showed up. I was like, you are rocking. Next time we record, I'm wearing like a onesie. I'm going to show up one of those old timey with the butt <laughs> flaps on it. I used to have a pink one of those. Well, listeners, I am so sorry. I digress. We've talked about everything except what this podcast is about. And we are like six minutes into the recording. So this week is your week, Olivia. Let's get the ship back on track. This week is your week. And it looks like you're bringing us an international case, which I'm pretty excited about. What are we working with this week? Yeah, we're going to Canada this week. Ooh, Canada, the great white north. And we have listeners in Canada. So thanks for listening. We We appreciate you. Shout out Canada. That's right. Well, what do you think? Should we just get into it? You want to break it down? Yeah. Awesome. What do you got for us? On June 18th, 2000, a young little boy was seen wandering along King Street in Hamilton, Ontario. The toddler was wearing a dirty t-shirt and a diaper. He was barefoot. Hamilton police were quickly notified. Police were able to talk to the little boy who told them his name was Eugene and he was three years old. Two women approached the police and said they knew the little boy and his mother. The two women led the police to Eugene's home. 
When they arrived, the front door of the apartment was locked from the inside. There were no signs of forced entry. Police were able to get inside the home from the back door, which was open. When they walked inside, they were startled by the horrific scene. A young male and female later identified as Pasquale Del Sordo and Charlisa Clark were bludgeoned to death in the bedroom. Charlisa Clark was a single mother to little three-year-old Eugene. She was an artist, and she also volunteered with at-risk kids and teens. She would mentor them by teaching art and cooking. Pasquale del Sorto, or as his friends called him Pat, lived at home with his parents Ruth and Flavio. He was a talented carpenter who worked for his father's family construction company. Charlissa and Pat knew each other from high school. They recently reconnected in their mid-20s and started dating. The couple had been together for a few months. On Saturday, June 17th, Pat was spending the day with Charlissa and Eugene before he left to spend time with his friends. Now, later that night, Charlissa called Pat to come back and spend the night. She put Eugene to bed early as he was sick. Pat took his father's white work van over and parked it across the street from Charlissa's apartment. The next morning, Pat's parents grew worried when he was not at home and the work van was missing. The Del Sordos began searching for their missing van in hopes of finding Pat. It was not like him to stay out overnight. Now, as police entered the home, they searched unsure of what they would find. Down the hall in the main bedroom, blood splatter littered the walls. The bed was blood-soaked with Pat and Charlissa's lifeless bodies. Crime scene investigators began their assessment. The upstairs balcony door was ajar, and Charlissa's purse was open on the couch. Making their way down the hall, first seeing the bathroom and then Eugene's room. As they continued down the hall, blood splatter was noted on the walls. The master bedroom was open with blood covering the doorframe. There lied Charlissa and Pat. Both bodies were nude. Pat was face down in the bed and Charlissa was in the kneeling position on the side of the bed. Also in the room, investigators noted an aluminum baseball bat. Detectives described the crime scene as very violent. There was high-velocity blood spatter on the walls and ceiling. The bat had blood on the end, and a bloody shoe print was collected for testing. A handprint was able to be lifted from the baseball bat. The autopsy results confirmed that both Pat and Charlissa were bludgeoned to death. Both were struck several times in the head and face, each suffering brain bleeds and skull fractures thought to be caused by a cylinder-shaped object. Detectives quickly began questioning those closest to Charlissa and Pat. This included their parents and siblings, Eugene's father, and other close friends. All were eventually excluded. You would think that having a handprint would make it easy to identify the suspect, but at this time in 2000, handprints were not on an electronic database. Each comparison would have to be done manually, and with over thousands of cards on file, it would be a time-consuming process. And there were no leads. This case would remain open and unsolved for about 18 months. So what are you thinking? I'm going to just stop right here for a minute. Where's your head at? So the very first thing that is in my mind is like what this kid saw. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. three years old, you know, my daughter's five. And at three years old, she was very much able to comprehend like people's emotions, what she was, you know, obviously not in the way you can as an adult, but my heart is breaking thinking that this kid may have witnessed what happened to his mom and her boyfriend. It's just, incredibly sad and then just because of how violent it is it i know we're going to get to it and you know it's just the way that our show works but 
all that is like coming into my head is the overkill with this. You know what I mean? It's just when you think somebody was hit with a baseball bat hard enough that their blood is on the ceiling and not just like a little bit, but it sounds like the entire place was covered in blood. I mean, that's just brutal. It's just really sad. Yeah. And when I was, um, there's an episode of a show on Hulu that talks about this case and it would talk about when they did like the blue light where they can see where the blood is. I'm not exact. I don't remember what that's exactly called, but yeah, there was like little tiny footprints all over, like covered like little bloody footprints all over the crime scene. And they're like, he was just like walking all over and like fixed himself a bowl of cereal as best he could, like just in the house. And they're like, how long was he really in there alone? Yeah, that's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Well, now on August 2001, 36-year-old Jackie McLean was bludgeoned to death in an upstairs unit of a known drug house. Autopsy reports revealed that she was sexually assaulted. The blood spatter pattern suggested to investigators that she was hit in the head while her underwear was still on. This concluded that she was sexually assaulted right before she died or possibly even after. The crime scene proved that McLean was hit in the head twice before being dragged up the stairs. She was repeatedly hit with a metal pipe, and McLean's case remained open. Now, some time had passed and no leads were coming in on Charles and Pat until one day a man named Shane told police an interesting story. Now, in August 2001, he said a man named Carl Hall checked into an addiction rehab where Shane had been staying. He said Carl befriended him and would share about his life. He said one night Carl came to his room and began confessing to a terrible crime. He told Shane that he had killed two people, a man and a woman. He continued to tell Shane that a drug dealer was harassing his ex-girlfriend. He said he broke into the drug dealer's house intending to rob him. That's when he saw the baseball bat in the entryway. He said the drug dealer woke up and began attacking him, and the woman came into the room and he attacked her also. Luckily, Shane would be released from the rehab facility, and he immediately told police about Carl's confession. Hamilton police would later learn that Carl Hall was in jail in Brantford, Ontario, for other small crimes. Police requested a DNA sample from the Brantford Police Department, but the results could take months to come back. By this time, Carl was a prime suspect in the Jackie McLean murder case. Carl's DNA matched the same sample found in McLean's vagina. He was released from Brantford and immediately arrested and charged with the murder of Jackie McLean. Now, during this time, they were able to get a palm print from Hall. This was able to be manually compared to the print found on the baseball bat from the crime scene of Charlissa and Pat. And to no surprise, the palm prints matched. Carl Hall had brutally murdered Charlissa and Pasquale. Carl Hall had a decent track record, several charges for violence, theft, assault, and he was addicted to crack cocaine and was also paranoid. Police tracked down the prior tenant of Charlissa's apartment, Paul, and Paul was indeed a drug dealer in the area, and when questioned, he confirmed issues between him and Carl in the past. 
Now, police were saddened to realize that Charlissa and Pat were killed due to a mistaken identity. And in 2007, Carl Hall pled guilty to two counts of second-degree murder for Pasquale Del Sorto, or Pat, and Charlissa Clark. Hall had already been found guilty of McLean's murder. He was sentenced to life with no parole for 25 years. He would take a plea deal for Pat and Charlissa's murders and receive two additional life sentences with no parole for 15 years. So that's this week's case, John. Again, it's just so sad. You know what I mean? Because you think about this young lady who moves into a new apartment. You know, she's got a new boyfriend, you know, somebody that she's reconnected with. It probably felt like life was going good. You know, she's got her her son and, you know, someone like Carl Hall doesn't realize that the person he's looking for doesn't live there anymore. And he's been, you know, smoking crack and is paranoid and, you know, again, says he went in to rob him and somehow a robbery turns into this just brutal attack. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, you think about Ruth and Flavio, who their son was taken away from him. You think about, you know, Eugene, who lo- now has lost his mother at three and is going to have to grow up without a mom, you know, and, right. you know, again, just thinking about that kid walking around that apartment, you know, like say you have no idea how long he was there for, you know, and like, mm-hmm. did he know what was like, did he know what was wrong? You know, I used to have a dream when Millie was really little that she would be sleeping in bed with us and I would pass away in my sleep. And my whole dream was Millie was trying to wake me up and she couldn't. And like Kara was at work, like nobody knew. And she was just sitting in bed with me and I would wake up like in tears. You know what I mean? So something like this, I'm just like, Oh my God, that poor baby, like that poor kid. You know what I mean? It's just, it's so sad. And I'm so thankful for someone like Shane who you're in this rehab center, you're, you know, when you're in a place like that, it's because you're dealing with issues of your own and, you know, trying to get yourself back on track. And as soon as he got out, the first thing he did was go to the police, you know, which I can guarantee that doesn't happen very often. So, you know, just thankful that, you know, he did what he did and the police were able to catch the person responsible. I mean, this one, it's, it's a heartbreaker for sure. Well, if we're talking deadbolt tests, what are you thinking? Oh man, this is a nine for me. You know, like, like I said, I'd not to treat this like therapy story hour, but like, that's all they kept playing that recurring dream I had for a while kept flashing back in my head. And I'm just like, oh my God, dude, this is so sad. That's like one of my biggest fears. So yeah, definitely like straight up nine, no drug dealers lived here before we did. I'm pretty sure. You better hope not. <laughs> I, I hope I, there were like an older couple with like kids in their twenties. I think I'm okay, <laughs> but <laughs> you never know. But I don't know. It's just scary. You know what I mean? And and yeah, it's going to be a hard nine for me. What about you? Yeah, I think it's, you know, the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, somebody else lived in my house nine months before I bought it. You never know who's coming after them. That's scary to me. I mean, you see me sitting here with my headphones on and I always kind of keep one ear out just so I can hear what's happening downstairs. You know, the paranoia kicks in. But no, it's definitely an eight. I'm going to give it an eight. Now I'm there with you. Like, I don't know if you had the same thing, but a big fear for me when we moved into this house was like, who else could possibly have a key to this house? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like what family members or friends or whoever we bought it from, like how many copies of that key has gone out, you know? And the first two weeks that we lived here, the alarm went off in the middle of the night, like two in the morning. Uh Uh-uh, stop. And I think it was because I like got up and like went and looked outside. There was nobody there. I think it was a malfunction. Or somebody thought that nobody was living here and it scared them off or whatever. But 
Yeah. I just remember like the adrenaline be like, someone's trying to get in my house. You know what I mean? So like I would have done the same thing. Like if I was Pat or Charlissa, like I would have automatically gone into attack mode. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, man, it is uh it's I don't know, like I said, it's just a heartbreaker. And I hope wherever Eugene is now, like he has found a life of love and support and has gotten the help that he's needed. You know, because this was 2001, so it's been 23 years now, right? Tw- yeah. 24 years because Pat and uh, Charlissa were murdered in 2000. So, I mean, he's, he's 27 years old now. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully wherever he is, he's doing well and, you know, got what he needed in his life. But, yeah, like I said, it's just an all-around heartbreaker, man. This one is is definitely a, a heavy one. Well, that is where we fall on the deadbolt test for this week's episode. I am coming in at a nine. Olivia is giving it an eight. But as always, we want to hear from our locksmiths, our listeners. Where does the case of Carl Hall fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We would love to get to know you. Love to spend some time with you. Olivia, this case, again, was just really sad. I think we need to turn the ship around. You're in your matching pajamas or unmatching pajamas. I think we should read a five-star review. What do you think? They are both black and red plaid. They're just different. My pants are a little brighter red than my shirt. Hey, it takes different strokes to move the world. You know what I mean? I mean, I am a hot commodity here, John. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to be with me, okay? Anybody interested in a part-time podcaster with a f- <laughs> <laughs> with, <laughs> with the a lumberjack fetish? Style. <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody this with a week's... big beard and pour maple syrup on me. <laughs> I'm going to the mountains. I'm going to find my lumberjack. <laughs> all right, all right. You got a five-star review. Yes, this week's five-star review comes from M. Foreman, and they said, Check the Locks is a great podcast, and I look forward to seeing their new episodes pop up each week. John and Olivia have a good rapport. They share interesting cases that they are lesser known and are perfect in length. Keep up the great work. So thank you, M. Foreman. Let us know who you are so we can send you some stuff. Yes, M. Foreman, thank you so much for taking the time to leave that review. We talk about it every week, but these reviews are so helpful They get us into other shows, recommendations. They help new listeners find the show. And I would say most importantly, we just like to hear what you think. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to leave those kind words. We would love to send you some stuff. We got stickers, buttons, all sorts of stuff. We would love to get out to you for taking the time to leave us that review. So again, find us on Instagram at check the locks pod. We're on Twitter, check the locks. If you're in our Facebook group, you can reach out to us there. And if you're not a social person, that's totally fine. Head over to checkthelockspod.com, click the email button, send us an email, let us know where to get it out. We'll get everything mailed out to you quickly. And Olivia, if somebody wants to have their five-star review read on the podcast, what's the best way to do that? They need to go over to the Apple Podcast app, go to our show's homepage, scroll all the way down where you see all four of those purple stars, click them all, all four of them, all five of them, I should say. Yes, five Click all five. (laughs) (laughs) Click all five of those purple stars and leave us a little bit of love and tell us what you think. Yes, and that's right. Olivia says it best, so I don't have to. Click all five of those stars. Leave us some words we would love to hear from you. And if you need a cheat code, you can go into the description of the episode that you're listening to right now. Click it. It'll take you right to Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us some Spotify comments. We love to read those as well. So however you want to leave that feedback, we appreciate it any way that we can get it. 
And as always, if you are interested in financially supporting Check the Locks, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. Got a lot of great tiers, a lot of exclusive benefits. We got t-shirts, coffee mugs, stickers, all things you can only get through Patreon. Plus, you get the episodes a little early ad free. So if you love check the locks, but you hate commercials, Patreon is the way to go. So again, if you like what we do, want to help us keep the lights on, patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. And as always, if you can't financially support the show, we definitely understand just listening and hanging out with us, sharing what we do with your friends and family means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you're listening every week, you're sending those links, letting people know to check out the show. Just know that we appreciate you so much. Again, all we want to do is bring in new listeners, new members to our community, and that is the best way to do it. So again, if that is what you were doing, just know we appreciate you so very much. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to Check the Locks in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying true crime case, but until then, don't forget to check the locks. See you next week. Bye-bye.